Hi, I'm David Svi Kalman, and this is the first of a series of podcasts that's part of a shiur that I designed called On Halacha. The point of the class is to bring together a variety of sources which I've seen in various contexts that all in some way relate to the question of what is halacha, and in particular, how do we observe it today? What is our relationship to some of the major um, and commonly discussed uh, particular problems of halacha um, as we encounter them today, um, or particularly some hot button issues such as women in tefillah, uh, halacha and homosexuality, but also things such as a relationship between social justice and halacha, or God and halacha. Um, many of the things that I've seen that appear in this class, um, I've studied myself in other contexts, I've studied with my own teachers. Um, but I haven't seen it put together in a format that felt uh, compelling and succinct. And the attempt of this class is really to try to bring together in an overly short form, I should say, um, a lot of that teaching. So let me just explain how I came to be doing this project. Uh, this is part of the Hadar Campus Scholars Program. Hadar Campus Scholars Program is a project of Mahon Hadar, which is a non-denominational egalitarian yeshiva, in New York City. Uh, my wife and I work on the University of Pennsylvania's campus towards creating programming that uh, relates to students there um, that promotes Hadar's values. Uh, and this class is a part of that. So I hope you enjoy it. What I wanted to do this week is uh, go over something that I read out during the first introductory class. That class uh, I'm not going to post online partially because a lot of it was discussioning us getting to know each other. Um, the following weeks, I will post actual recordings from the classes, and so you can follow along. I promise that we will try to read the sources out loud so that you don't need to be looking at your source sheet in your car or on your morning commute while you are uh, listening to the podcast. So this is what I read, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Although I almost always prefer to speak extemporaneously, I thought it would be good to begin this class by trying to put into careful words my ultimate vision for the class, and also my vision for the Jewish future, which is very much tied up in this class and classes like it. At this very moment, I feel a great deal of trepidation about beginning to talk about this subject, especially within a group of people for whom I have a great deal of respect. And I am actually acutely aware of my inadequacy in presenting to you a vision of halacha and its relationship to the Jewish future. There are almost certainly people in this room who have learned more Torah than I have, who know more Talmud than I know, whose Hebrew is better than mine, and whose questions I cannot entirely answer. I apologize in advance if some of the conclusions I will push us towards in this class lack absolute rigor. I do, however, believe, and perhaps it is only a belief, that this class cannot succeed without real argumentation, unless we grapple with these sources with all of our hearts and with all of our souls. As a result, I ask, perhaps foolishly, that you keep me on my toes. I once heard that Rabbi Noach Weinberg, the founder of Asha Torah, would sometimes say that there's a churban going on, that the temple is still burning today, that the Jewish world is in the midst of a spiritual crisis from which a desperate needs to be healed. Don't you know there's a churban? In the midst of Jewish American affluence, there was still a churban, and the Chorban demands a response from each and every person, 
And while I do not agree with all of Aisha Torah's ways of putting out that fire, I think that there is a korban going on as well. But what is being burned up is not our nishamot, our souls, but any modicum of passionate and moderate Judaism, any modicum of a moderate approach to halacha. The version of Judaism that most of us in this room profess, which allows us to be at this university and live among non-Jews, which allows men and women to discuss Torah and other things together and on an equal plane, which allows for serious conversation about God and about Israel, which allows us to consider biblical criticism, historical context, and to form connections with those of other faiths, which allows us to read and write Torah in the ways that correspond with our feelings is in a lot of trouble. Jewish day schools are getting more expensive and moving out of reach. Conservative Jewish involvement moves in fits and starts. Modern orthodoxy is stable for the time being, but has no clear religious leadership and is politically hamstrung on issues such as the ordination of women. This is, to my mind, a kind of korban too. Meanwhile, Labavitch and other varieties of Haredi Judaism, through an admirable willingness to structure lives around particularly separationist visions of Torah, are thriving and even growing. I do not harbor any ill will towards these groups. In fact, they are examples for me of what really devoted Judaism looks like. At the same time, I am also not under any illusion that their success will bring about a more sophisticated kind of Torah study or any creative answers to the major questions of our day. If we are going to have a different kind of conversation about Torah and Judaism, that conversation is going to come from us. And by us, I really do mean the people sitting in this room right now. Whether or not we currently see eye to eye on all practical matters of halacha, there is a korban. And within a decade or two, when we are important members and leaders of Jewish communities all over the world, it is going to be our job to put out that fire. There are fires on the other side of the room as well. Non-affiliation is growing in Judaism, as it is growing in America in general. A Judaism in which Jews feel that they must choose between a rigid and inelastic package of beliefs and practices is going to become polarized, and this is precisely what is occurring now. The middle ground is burning up, consumed by both ends, both in America and in Israel. But what exactly is burning? The people in this room come from very different backgrounds, but let me presume to speak for some of you for a minute. For some of you, there is a deep and painful tension between your rational university life and the religious observance which you grew up with or experienced here at Penn. For some of you, you long for more egalitarian prayer spaces, but socially are much happier in the Orthodox community. For some of you, the Torah statement that sex between men is an abomination is preventing you from feeling entirely at home within the tradition, even without the presence of any social condemnation. Some of you may have gone to public school, and you now feel that you may be locked out of sophisticated Torah study forever. Some of you may not be observant and are wondering why in the world anyone would ever want to be. In a sense, I think, everyone has come to this discussion as a Baal Tshuva. Not necessarily to the things that I'm going to say, but to some form of Jewish life which is different from what you lived in high school. This is a generation of Baalei Tshuva. For me, this process began in orthodoxy and ended in the non-denominational, egalitarian, halachic life that I now live. For others, it began in Haredism and morphed into less stringent forms of observance, or 
as is often the case, no observance whatsoever. Some may have started in the reform movement and developed a desire for a sense of being beholden to God through action. I will assume that everyone in this room is in the middle of their own personal teshuvah, and that the direction or speed of your teshuvah may very well be different from everyone else in the room. In the context of building institutions, however, the Baal Tshuva represents a problem. He presents a problem because a Baal Tshuva is, in a sense, a free radical, a Jew who has come unstuck, and there is often no telling where a Jew will land when she decides to restick herself, if she decides to restick herself at all. Furthermore, the process of trekking between religious models is a tiring one and is sometimes even traumatic. A movement that is built on the Baalei Tshuva, who happen to find their way over to this corner of the Jewish social landscape, will be a precipitous one indeed, and will be motivated not by any kind of religious drive, but from the comfortability of the members of the community in that location. There is a serious concern that the nascent egalitarian Judaism that is developing in America today will be motivated out of a desire for comfortability and not a sense of Yerat Shemayim, a fear of heaven which must be the foundation of all halachic Judaism. There is another, more troubling reason why being a Baal Tshuva is a painful process. Often, though not always, the process of becoming a Baal Tshuva results in the loss of Yerat Shemayim, that is, the loss of any sense that one is serving God, or anyone else for that matter. Fear of heaven and the acceptance of the yoke of heaven are difficult to regain once lost, and the process of transition involved in becoming a Baal Tshuva except perhaps if one becomes a Palachuva in the traditional sense, is often fatal for that sense of God's presence. Speaking personally, it is a struggle for me even today to feel the kind of naked subservience to my Creator that I felt at the start of my journey. If our children can arrive at adulthood with a sophisticated sense of religious observance without losing their sense of Yerat Shemayim, if we are just as makpid, just as meticulous, about attending their egalitarian minyan, as Haredim are about attending theirs, this project will have been a definite success. I'm apprehensive about saying this, but I think that I can provide some answers for each of you. I do not believe that Judaism is meant to be a sequence of unresolved questions. I don't believe that observance is something that one should continue simply to preserve a personal status quo. I believe that a version of Judaism exists which allows for and demands full halachic observance, demands a level of commitment currently only seen in the Orthodox world, and which relieves all tension between one's faith and one's reason. I believe that you can feel Torah in your bones every day, even if you aren't wearing a strimal, even if you have deep questions, even if you aren't sure if you believe in God. What is more, I believe that this form of Judaism can heal will make all of us want to heal the Jewish world, make us want to stand on the street corner with Chabad and ask people to consider it. What is difficult about this message, of course, is that it is always easier to communicate extreme takes on religion than moderate ones. It is easier to do this because in extreme movements, the ideas glow so brightly that they outshine dissent, questioning, nuance, and perhaps most of all, the possibility of change. I do not begrudge Jews who find satisfaction in an extreme, but I suspect that the number of Jews who do so is relatively small. Many non-observant and Haredi Jews are simply looking for something comfortable, too. 
most Jews are searching for a message which is not a ruach, a thunder, is not a ra'ash, an earthquake, but is a kol mama daka, a still, small voice, a voice which requires active listening, self-searching, and a desire not to sacrifice one part of one's being for another part. But a still, small voice is still a small voice. One of the reasons that I decided to give this class this semester was to attempt to communicate a moderate, sophisticated doctrine in a way that could be as compelling as those extreme versions. Like it or not, we live in a world of competing narratives, and the ability of moderate forms of Judaism to communicate the message of halakha commitment is not trivial. On the contrary, it lies at the very center of the enterprise. As Robert Krulwich, a frequent contributor to NPR, has said, the Discovery Channel is going to play the stories which attract the most viewers, whether they are stories about evolution or stories about aliens from outer space. In the world of competing religious narratives, we must do a better job communicating the moderate narrative. In this class, I hope to help formulate some of that narrative in a way that is meaningful and communicable, not just in this classroom, but across the United States as well. I cannot right now describe for you the exact contours of that narrative. I simply don't know it yet. Instead, I want to describe to you what the success of such a narrative might look like. Egalitarian minyanim pop up all across America. They are just as strong and committed as Orthodox services, partially because non-Orthodox Jews attend them with the same level of commitment as Orthodox Jews. Homosexuals and queer Jews of all kinds will not simply be accepted into our community in practice, but their presence and contributions will be supported with well-developed doctrine, doctrine that is simple enough that it can and will be taught to our children, so that queer Jews need not go through the horrible anguish that is too often a, a commonplace today. We will renew our commitments to halachic observance, over and above our denominational affiliations, which sometimes subconsciously become our primary Jewish identifiers. The moderate narrative will attract Jews from all walks of life, including those who long ago decided they wanted nothing to do with organized religion. There will be a renewal of halachic observance in America, supported by Jews looking for their roots and a sense of meaning, and catalyzed by that which is compelling in the moderate message. Aaron Haredim will join the movement as well. They will be attracted by the answers it provides to their questions about Amuna and its interpretations of Torah, its solutions for how to live in the modern world, and perhaps most of all, its warmth and emotional openness. The migration of Haredim will create some variety in the demographics of moderate Judaism, which today consists almost exclusively of young, modern Orthodox, and conservative Jews. In this way, moderate Judaism will become multicultural and multilingual as well, and these new cultures will spur further creativity and beauty. By the same token, the incredible creativity that already exists all across the Jewish community will be better integrated into the observant life. Cultural Judaism will not be a tepid substitute for observant life, but will exist alongside and amplify it. Moderate Judaism will be the home of all of the best and most interesting ideas in the Jewish world, the vast majority of which will have nothing to do with halacha at all. Finally, the moderate message itself will come to serve as an example for other religions to follow. The process of communicating complex religious messages en masse to the entire country will be copied in other faiths. Tensions between church and state, which are so often a source of division in this country, 
may finally subside without the subsiding of religion itself. I should emphasize as well that the conversation which we will be having, which is a conversation primarily about halacha, is simply paving the groundwork for a dramatic growth of creativity in the halachic world. The individuals who are part of this process will also be responsible for finding entirely new ways in which to serve the creator of the universe. We will write new nigunim and create new meditative practices. We will write new commentaries on the Torah, on the Talmud, on the Shulchan Aruch. We will write new Midrash. We will write Torah that is not simply accepting of women and queerness, but is written from those perspectives and comes out of those lives and experiences. We will write new Zmirot for Shabbat, paint new pictures, and it will all serve to strengthen Halachic-based Judaism, and not, as is often the case today, serve as a refuge from it. In the internet age, when our work and our possessions are becoming increasingly ephemeral, this modern halachic narrative will be a grounding force, a pillar for our lives, and perhaps more importantly, a light unto the nations. In conclusion, and thank you for sticking with me, I apologize if I have been overly passionate or partisan in these remarks. In the discussions in the weeks that follow, and I promise that not every week is going to be as frontal as this one, we will be analyzing halachic sources critically and will attempt to formulate arguments concerning those texts. Through these discussions, however, it is important to keep in mind that halacha is not mathematical and that the sum of all the sources will always be shy of a univocal, unambiguous answer. Passion and partisanship inevitably pay, play a part in the halachic discourse. And I would like to show that there are ways of involving our historical and cultural idiosyncrasies in our halacha conversation when we elevate the nitzot sot, the sparks of our age, and bring more of the world into a sphere of an ever larger and even more beautiful Torah.